Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast. This is a sneak peek episode. Members of this channel, or Patreon members, at a certain level receive a free audio course every month. Last month, it was on the Wars of the Roses. And this month, it was on Henry VII and his consolidation of power and birth of the Tudor dynasty. This is part one of the Henry VII course as a sample. In this audio, we talk about how Henry began to consolidate power after Bosworth and his first moves as king to legitimize his reign. If you're a member at the right level, stay tuned for the link to access the course. If you don't want to join the channel or become a Patreon member, but would still like to dive deeper into this course, it's over an hour's worth of audio with handouts. You can purchase the course for $17. I'll put a link below both to join and to purchase the course on its own. And now, without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, friend. Welcome to this audio mini course, Henry VII Consolidating the Tudor Dynasty. I am your host, Heather Tesco. I am a Tudor podcaster, if you don't know me already. I am so very happy that you are here and so very glad to welcome you to this online course. In this course, we're going to cover Henry VII's reign. In the first audio course we did, Last month, we talked about the Wars of the Roses, and so now we're moving on, and we are talking about Henry and how he consolidated power and built the Tudor dynasty. I would love to know what drew you to this course. If you are one of my YouTube members or Patreon supporters and you get the course for free, why are you going ahead and doing it? I would love to know. Um, leave a comment and introduce yourself, and that will give me a sense of who all is here. And I look forward to meeting you and going on this journey with you. So let's get right into it. Henry VII. This is section one, the rise of Henry VII. Henry VII was born Henry Tudor on January the 28th, 1457 at Pembroke Castle in 
Wales. And he emerged from relatively obscure origins to ascend to the English throne, founding the Tudor dynasty that would profoundly shape the course of English history. His birthplace, Pembroke Castle, is a formidable fortress overlooking the Milford Haven waterway, and it was symbolic of his initially precarious claim to royalty, nestled on the fringes of the English realm. Henry's father, Edmund Tudor, Earl of Richmond, died three months before his birth, leaving his 13-year-old widow, Margaret Beaufort, to navigate the treacherous political landscape of the Wars of the Roses on behalf of their unborn child. Margaret Beaufort, Henry's mother, was a descendant of John of Gaunt, Duke of Lancaster, through his legitimized offspring from his third marriage to Catherine Swinford. She had been his longtime mistress, great love. He married her and their illegitimate children were legitimized. But they were legitimized with the caveat that they would never claim the throne. So despite this tenuous nature of her claim due to the condition of the legitimacy imposed on her Beaufort lineage, Margaret's steadfast determination and political acumen provided a crucial foundation for Henry's eventual claim to the throne. Her lineage instilled in Henry a sense of destiny that would drive his ambitions. Henry's early life was marked by the volatile dynamics of the Wars of the Roses, a series of dynastic conflicts between the houses of Lancaster and York for control of the English throne. Following the Lancastrian defeat at the Battle of Tewkesbury in 1471 and the murder of Henry VI in the Tower of London, the Tudor line was thrust into peril. To safeguard her son, Margaret arranged for Henry's exile to Brittany at age 14, where he spent most of his adolescence under the protection of Duke Francis II of Brittany. Margaret did this to protect her son, obviously. It was a period where things were really in flux. He had this Lancastrian blood that she knew was going to be dangerous. And at this point, she probably wasn't even thinking about him having a claim to the throne. She just wanted to keep him alive. Henry's prolonged exile in Brittany and later in France was instrumental in shaping his character and his political outlook. During these formative years, he was exposed to the intrigues of European courts, honing his skills in diplomacy and statecraft. The experience of living under constant threat and independence on foreign benefactors imbued Henry with a cautious and calculating disposition, traits that would define his reign. It was in exile that Henry's resolve to claim the English throne crystallized, supported by a small but loyal band of followers and the promise of assistance from his mother and her allies in England. The turning point came in 1483 with the death of Edward IV and the controversial ascension of Richard III, which left the Yorkist dynasty vulnerable. Seizing the moment, Henry garnered support from disaffected Yorkists and Lancastrians alike, as well as the French king Charles VIII, who provided him with troops and resources. In August of 1485, Henry landed in Wales, gathering forces as he marched into England. Henry's early life, marked by adversity and exile, set the stage for his eventual victory at the Battle of Bosworth Field, 
It was here on August 22nd, 1485, that Henry Tudor's aspirations culminated in a decisive confrontation that would end the Wars of the Roses and inaugurate the Tudor era. His ascent to the throne was not merely a result of military triumph, but a testament to his strategic acumen, shaped by years of careful preparation and the indomitable will inherited from his formidable mother, Margaret Beaufort. So now we're going to talk about the Battle of Bosworth Field. It was, of course, the decisive confrontation on August 22, 1485, the culmination of deep-seated political and military tensions that had simmered throughout Richard III's reign. Richard's ascent to the throne was mired in controversy, beginning with the declaration of his nephews, Edward V, and his brother Richard, Duke of York, as illegitimate. This act, combined with the mysterious disappearance of the princes in the tower, cast a long shadow over Richard's claim and stirred dissent among the nobility and common folk alike. Richard's rule was further challenged by internal dissent, most notably Buckingham's Rebellion of 1483. The rebellion, although quashed, exposed the vulnerabilities in Richard's support base and emboldened his opponents. Henry Tudor, the Lancastrian claimant with a tenuous link to the throne, emerged as a focal point of opposition. Henry's cause was bolstered by his promise to marry Elizabeth of York, uniting the warring houses and offering a peaceful resolution to the endemic conflict. Henry's return from exile in 1485 was a calculated move, taking advantage of the fractured Yorkist loyalty and the broader discontent with Richard's rule. Landing in Wales, Henry capitalized on his Welsh ancestry and the promise of a united realm to gather forces as he marched toward England. The Battle of Bosworth Field unfolded in the Leicestershire countryside, far from the traditional strongholds of royal power. The engagement was not characterized by large armies typical of earlier conflicts, but by strategic maneuvering and the crucial roles played by key figures on both sides. Richard III was confident in his military prowess, and he took to the field with a force that, on paper, seemed superior. However, the loyalty of his troops, particularly those commanded by the Stanleys, Thomas, Lord Stanley, and Sir William Stanley, was uncertain. The Stanleys, holding a pivotal position on the battlefield, hesitated. They were incidentally related to Henry by marriage. Henry's mother, Margaret Beaufort, was at this point married to Thomas, Lord Stanley, and they hesitated, their allegiance torn between Richard, to whom they were related by a marriage, and Henry, to whom they were bound by promises of reward and, of course, a relation by marriage. The battle's turning point came when Sir William Stanley, observing Richard's charge towards Henry in a bold attempt to end the battle decisively, chose to intervene on Henry's behalf. This sudden shift broke the momentum of Richard's forces and led to a melee around the king. In the turmoil, Richard III, fighting valiantly to reach Henry Tudor, was overwhelmed and killed, marking the end of the Plantagenet rule and the culmination of the Wars of the Roses. The death of Richard on the battlefield, a king fighting to the last, became a poignant symbol of the end of an era and the dawn of Tudor England. 
The immediate aftermath of the Battle of Bosworth Field saw a swift consolidation of Henry Tudor's position as the unchallenged victor and the new King of England. The battlefield, stained with the blood of Richard III and his loyalists, bore witness to the end of the Wars of the Roses and the beginning of a new dynasty. Henry was crowned on the field with Richard's circlet, a symbolic act that underscored the transfer of power and the legitimacy of his rule. This moment emblematic of Henry's ascent was a poignant marker of the Tudor era's dawn. In the days that followed the battle, Henry moved quickly to solidify his hold on the throne. His actions were deliberate and aimed at healing the divisions that had plagued England for decades. An early significant act, though not immediate, was to fulfill his pledge to marry Elizabeth of York, uniting the warring houses of Lancaster and York. This union was not merely a political maneuver, but a foundational act that sought to bring about national reconciliation and forge a new sense of unity. Henry's victory at Bosworth also marked a decisive shift in the governance of England. He worked to dismantle the power structures that had perpetuated the cycle of conflict, reducing the influence of the nobility, who could muster large private armies and pose a threat to the crown. His reign introduced policies that emphasized the authority of the monarchy, laying the groundwork for the strong, centralized government that would characterize the Tudor period. The significance of Bosworth extended beyond the battlefield. It represented a turning point in English history. The battle and its aftermath effectively ended the dynastic feuds that had defined the Wars of the Roses, paving the way for a period of relative stability and prosperity under the Tudors. Henry VII's reign would be marked by efforts to strengthen the monarchy, rejuvenate the economy, and navigate the complex landscape of European politics, all while keeping the hard-won peace at home. The legacy of Bosworth and Henry VII's subsequent rule set the stage for significant developments in English history, including the Reformation and expansions of the Tudor state. The consolidation of Tudor power not only reshaped the monarchy, but also had lasting implications for the legal system, economic policies, and the very fabric of English society. Now let's talk about Henry's consolidation of power. Henry's ascent to the English throne was marked by immediate and decisive actions aimed at consolidating his power and legitimizing his reign. His coronation at Westminster Abbey on October 30, 1485, was not just a ceremonial event, but a powerful statement of his undisputed claim to the throne. The choice of Westminster with its rich royal history underscored the continuity and legitimacy of Henry's rule. And note that he had not yet married Elizabeth of York at this point. He didn't marry her until January, which we'll talk about. So he was having himself crowned saying, look, I will marry Elizabeth but I don't actually need to. I'm still the king even on my own. One of Henry's most interesting and astute political maneuvers was backdating his reign to the day before the Battle of Bosworth, effectively rendering anyone who fought against him as a traitor. A bit of revisionist history. This strategic decision allowed him to confiscate the estates of key Yorkist leaders, thereby weakening the opposition and enriching the Tudor treasury. It was a move that demonstrated Henry's shrewd understanding of law and power, 
often encapsulating in his reputed remark, a king cannot be a king without the wealth of his kingdom. The treatment of Yorkist opponents was both pragmatic and calculated. While Henry was ruthless with those he deemed a direct threat, he also extended mercy and the opportunity for reconciliation to others. This approach helped to pacify potential rivals and co-opt their loyalty, gradually transforming a fractured realm into a more unified state under his rule. The political and symbolic importance of Henry's marriage to Elizabeth of York, which took place in January of 1486, cannot be overstated. The union was a masterstroke of political strategy, effectively uniting the warring houses of Lancaster and York and bringing to an end the dynastic conflicts that had plagued England. The marriage was celebrated as a union of the red rose and the white, a poetic symbol of the new era of peace and unity that it heralded. The marriage also served to solidify Henry's claim to the throne. By marrying the eldest daughter of Edward IV, Henry not only reinforced his own legitimacy, but also ensured that his offspring would be indisputably rightful heirs to the English crown. The birth of their son Arthur in 1486 was seen as a sign of divine favor and guarantee of the Tudor dynasty's future. In the public imagination, the marriage between Henry and Elizabeth healed the wounds of the nation. Chroniclers of the time, such as Polydor Virgil, noted the widespread rejoicing that accompanied the announcement of their union, interpreting it as the dawn of a prosperous new age for England. Despite these auspicious beginnings, though, Henry's early reign was not without its challenges. The kingdom he inherited was still reeling from decades of conflict, and Yorkist sympathizers, though momentarily quelled, remained a latent threat. The Lovell and Stafford Rebellion of 1486, though quickly suppressed, was a stark reminder of the ongoing discontent and the potential for unrest. Henry's response to these challenges was characterized by a blend of clemency and sternness. He understood the importance of stability and sought to achieve it through a careful balance of justice and mercy. His establishment of the Court of the Star Chamber is a testament to his commitment to law and order, providing a forum for addressing grievances that might otherwise have fomented a rebellion. The early actions and policies of Henry VII not only addressed the immediate challenges of his reign, but also laid the foundation for the enduring legacy of the Tudor dynasty. One of Henry's key strategies was to secure alliances through strategic marriages, not only his own to Elizabeth of York, but also those of his children. The marriage of his eldest son, Arthur, to Catherine of Aragon, and later the betrothal of his younger son, Henry, the future Henry VIII, to Catherine as well, were moves designed to forge strong international alliances, particularly with Spain, a leading European power. Henry's meticulous attention to the realm's financial health was another cornerstone of his legacy. By implementing efficient tax collection systems and promoting trade, Henry significantly enhanced the crown's wealth. His establishment of the chamber system for royal finances, which bypassed the more corruptible exchequer, was a testament to his innovative approach to governance. The financial prudence not only stabilized the economy, but also provided the resources necessary for the Tudors to patronize the arts and exploration, contributing to the cultural flourishing of the Renaissance in England. Also, Henry's administrative reforms were instrumental in shaping the modern English state. 
He bolstered the authority of the monarchy through the use of royal councils, reducing the power of the nobility who could challenge his rule. This move towards centralized government was crucial in maintaining the peace and stability that had eluded England for decades. The reign of Henry VII also saw subtle beginnings of what would become the English Reformation. While Henry himself remained a devout Catholic, his policies laid the groundwork for religious changes that his son, also Henry, would later enact. The emphasis on royal supremacy, initially over the nobility and the courts, set a precedent for the eventual assertion of royal authority over the Church of England. So, the early years of Henry VII's reign were marked by a series of calculated moves to consolidate power, secure the dynasty's future, and lay the foundations for a stable and prosperous England. The significance of his victory at Bosworth extended far beyond the battlefield, marking the beginning of a transformative era in English history. Through strategic marriages, financial acumen, administrative reforms, and a keen understanding of the balance of power, Henry VII not only secured his legacy, but also set the stage for the Tudor dynasty to become one of the most influential and celebrated in English history. His reign, characterized by a shift from feudal chaos to centralized governance, heralded the dawn of the early modern period in England, setting a course that would shape the nation's future for centuries to come. In the next section, we are going to look at political and domestic policies, including how Henry secured the throne, how he dealt with rivals, and really dig into the legal and fiscal reforms. So I will see you back here for that. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Bye-bye. Blow, northern wind, ascend, oh baby, sweating. Blow, northern wind, blow, blow, blow. Ich hoor te boor in bouwrebriek, dat soli semli.